0: Hi, welcome back to Love God and Your Neighbor. I'm Laura Hutchinson, pastor of First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Anniston, Alabama, and I'm really glad you're here. I'd also like to welcome our liturgist for today, Cammie McKenzie. Thank you for being with us, Cammie. I'm excited about sharing the leadership of this service with you today. Okay, so before we get started, I wanted to invite you to do two things. One, prepare your worship space by gathering your elements for communion, whatever you have will work, and lighting a candle, inviting the light of Christ into your midst as you worship. And two, I invite you to give of your tithes and offerings. Because of a variety of reasons, our giving has been down during the COVID-19 pandemic, but the ministry carries on. So if you feel moved by God to give a gift to First Christian Church, You can give it in one of two ways. You can go to our website at www.fccanniston.org, www.fccanniston.org, scroll down to the bottom of the home page and click the Donate Now button. PayPal is the only working option for the time being, and if you feel comfortable doing so, you can choose the friends and family giving option, which is free for you and us. Or you can mail a check to 1327 Layton Avenue, Anniston, Alabama 36207. Now, I was on vacation last week, and I'm really happy to be back. In the last two weeks since we've gathered together, our world has turned upside down once again. We have watched in horror as a Caucasian police officer knelt on an African-American man's neck, Not only until he was dead, but for two minutes after he had died. Understandably, people are reacting with a sea of emotions. People of color are looking at this and thinking, how is this still happening 60 years after the civil rights movement? To many, it feels like very little, if anything, has changed. Others, namely Caucasian people, are confused because they thought racism didn't exist anymore and they think talking about it makes things worse. We are hearing all kinds of words and phrases being thrown around, some of which hit home, others of which are confusing and others that just make people defensive and angry. We are seeing a variety of behaviors highlighted in the news. Thousands of people are protesting racism peacefully and powerfully in cities all over the world. But others are rioting and causing damage to various buildings and businesses. Others are looting. Some white instigators, believe it or not, have deliberately left bricks on sidewalks and smashed store windows just to raise the temptation of emotional protesters hoping to escalate their behavior to looting or rioting. And still others are being paid by unknown forces to deliberately incite chaos in the midst of our country's pain. It is extremely difficult to know what to think or feel in the midst of all of it. So today, as we go into worship, I would like to encourage us all to try and see past the deliberate distractions being created and focus on one thing. In addition to loving God with all our hearts, Jesus commands us to love our neighbors as ourselves. And right now, the pain and suffering of a large percentage of our neighbors has been brought to our attention once again. We can no longer ignore the fact that the systems in our country are inherently racist and cause people of color distress every day of their lives our neighbors are hurting and if we love them as we love ourselves, we should be hurting with them. And so today let us love them. Let us love our God. Let us praise God for the guidance of love and respect for all people that has been given to us in the gospels. Let us praise God for loving every human being equally. Let us praise God for giving us the ability to love our neighbors as ourselves. Let us praise God for sending us Jesus to remind us of this precious commandment and to show us in the most sacrificial way, what it looks like to truly love all people. And finally, today and every day, let us ask God to show us the way to true equality for all people. May God guide our words and actions every moment of every day so that we can do our part to usher in the kingdom of God, a kingdom where all people live equally, peacefully, and lovingly in the presence of our creator. And so in that spirit, I invite you to sing with me our first hymn found in your Friday Reminders email, In Christ Alone. Music Now I invite you to sing What a Friend We Have in Jesus.
1: Today's scripture comes from Romans, chapter 5, verses 1 through 8. Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be be to to God. God.
0: Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words in my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Today, our country is suffering. In addition to fears and concerns brought on by the coronavirus, men and women with brown-skinned children fear for their children's lives every time they leave the house. In large part, they worry that they'll be unfairly persecuted by the police. That fear has been reconfirmed by what happened to an innocent woman named Brianna Taylor in her own home, gunned down by police who were at the wrong address an incident that was later declared a clerical error. The fear has been reconfirmed by what a police officer did to a man named George Floyd as he and the watching crowd begged for his life. And by the murder of Ahmaud Arbery, a jogger killed by his own neighbors and then ignored by the justice system. Many men and women with paler skin who've never felt such fear sit in distress and confusion over the widespread anger and pain that they witness in the protests, the looting, and the rioting. People of all colors are afraid of what is going to happen. And they call out to God to bring us peace. The question then is this, what is peace? For some, peace is simply going back to the way things were before the protests, when people go about their daily lives and no one yells or screams or throws bricks. But for many others, peace is defined as something not yet experienced in our country. But it is something still hoped for. It is an ideal promised to us by Jesus Christ, a kingdom, God's kingdom, where all people are safe and free and can live without fear. The peace that they hope for allows all people, not just white people, to go about their days without having to ever wonder if their skin color will influence another person's reaction to them. The peace they hope for is that the life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness promised by our Declaration of Independence could actually exist for all people no matter what neighborhood they live in, no matter what their name is, no matter what color their skin is, no matter what language they speak, and no matter how they worship. Peace means that good food, good housing, clean water, good jobs, good education, and good medical treatment is accessible to all people. Peace means that our president, our senators, our representatives, our governors, and our mayors, would speak without intentionally inciting division and without using veiled racist slurs but would instead realize that their job is to represent every person that breathes within these borders and to seek to make life better for everyone, not just the rich or the white or the straight or the English speaking. For many, praying for peace means praying that the people on top will be brought down and the people on the bottom will be brought up until all people are once and for all living on equal terms. Our scripture says, Therefore, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. The New People's New Testament Commentary says that our text comes from a new section of the Letter to the Romans that begins here at chapter 5 and extends through chapter 8. This section presents what it means to live in the world as those who trust in the God who has accepted them in Christ without any merits of their own. Paul claims that being a Christian means to live in the community of faith in God's saving act. The main idea of this section is that Christian life is a life of freedom, a life in community liberated from the threats that destroy life. Well, one of the threats that destroys life in our country is our legal system, a system that was created long before our grandparents were born and a system that unquestionably favors white people over everyone else and even more wealthy white people. Yes, I do mean the economy and taxes and such, but I'm also talking about arrest rates of white versus people of color and other obvious problems with law enforcement. I'm talking about the inequity between the legal, legal representation available to our people versus wealthy people, which directly affects the racial divide in our prison systems. I'm talking about how district lines are drawn to control how many white versus black people serve in local government, and that also control school districts, school funding, and all kinds of educational opportunities. Those district lines also influence banks, businesses, and lending companies that may or may not invest in certain areas. All of these things and more directly affects the lives of millions of people, all created by God. And all of those people living in the quote, wrong districts and born with the wrong skin color are all offered the same loving grace that Jesus offers to the rest. The grace that is offered to us is a gift that pulls us out of the threat of death and into an even open relationship with God, free of any barriers, So if Jesus died in order to remove the barriers in our lives, then why do we continue to erect barriers between one another? Why do we have a system that was designed to make any success 100 times harder to achieve for some than it is for others? And then why do so many fight so hard to keep those barriers up, even if they didn't initially build them? The sins that Jesus died to save us from are still alive and well in this world. But if we're serious about wanting to welcome in the kingdom of God, I believe that we need to be fighting against our sinfulness every way we can. The scripture says we are justified by faith. Well, when I was learning to type in ninth grade, My teacher explained to us that we had to know how to justify our paragraphs. If your paragraph is left line justified, then the lines are even on the left and jagged on the right. If it's right line justified, it's even on the right and jagged on the left. And then center justified paragraphs are even and perfectly lined up on both the right and the left. When Jesus's death turned into a resurrection, we were given the opportunity to become perfectly lined up with God on all sides and we had to do and all we had to do was have faith. That faith is what gives us hope and that hope is something to boast about. Our scripture goes on to say, and not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. The Christian life does not spare believers from present troubles, says the commentary. But it places them in the framework of God's ultimate purpose for the world and molds believers into the image of the suffering Christ. The point is not that suffering develops character in the cultural sense of making one tough or improving one's personality, but that one's life is seen to be incorporated into God's larger purpose for the world and history, a purpose that will finally prevail. God's theology makes no sense apart from this eschatological hope, the sure confidence in the final coming of God's kingdom. In this, Paul and Jesus are one. So many people, myself included, are tempted to want all of the current conflict to just go away. Conflict is scary. It makes us uncomfortable, and it challenges us to think about things that we would rather ignore. But these conflicts are what draw us ever closer to the coming of God's kingdom. And so we cannot avoid them, ignore them, or pray them away. As lovers of God saved by the mercy of Jesus the Christ, all of our hope lies in God's kingdom. And Paul says that hope does not disappoint. So if our primary hope as followers of Christ is in witnessing God's kingdom fully realized, we need to embrace this conflict that we see before us because anything that brings human beings closer to true equality is another step into the true and eternal peace of the kingdom we so desperately hope for. So imagine that all of the protesters got their way. And I mean the real protesters, not the anarchists who are taking advantage of a man's tragic death. Imagine that every community had a police force that every person could trust. And I know in the kingdom of God, there won't be any sin. That's no reason for a police force, but work with me here. Okay. Imagine that today we had officers of the law who could be trusted one in all, not just the majority, which the majority of our police force is trustworthy, but there are enough who are not That compromises the entire force. So imagine that we had officers of the law who could be trusted to truly keep the peace, to make the world a safer place for everyone, and to be backed up by a system that also could be trusted. Imagine if you, me, and all of our neighbors, no matter our skin color, could wake up every morning and feel free to accomplish whatever goals we wanted within the boundaries of the law, without wondering if someone else was going to try and stop us. Imagine what this world would look like if every child had access to the same level of education, a good education with equal funding and supplies and equipment, technology. Imagine if no parents ever have to fear for their children's lives every time they leave the house. Imagine that no mothers and fathers ever had to coach their sons how to behave if they're pulled over by the police for fear that if they don't do the exact right thing in the exact right tone of voice, then they might be arrested, beaten, or killed during the traffic stop. Imagine that if educational opportunities were equal, then job opportunities might also be equal. And if a person was ever turned down for a job, then they would know without a doubt that it had to do with their experience and abilities and not the color of their skin. In a world like the one that I'm imagining or that the protesters are imagining, there would be far less fear. Fear begets fear after all. Fear, fearful people often behave in ways that cause fear in others. Think about the good police officers making a regular traffic stop for a legitimate reason. But the person who is pulled over is filled with terror because he is afraid he will be treated unjustly. Even when all he did wrong was drive 10 miles over the speed limit. When the officer approaches the window of the car, the driver is acting panicky. The driver's nervousness makes the officer nervous. Or the officer has heard stories of young black men being violent and has developed a prejudice born of fear. When he approaches the vehicle, maybe he's already on edge because he anticipates an altercation. So now both the driver and the officer are afraid and nobody and nothing has ever even happened yet. It can only get worse from there. But if we lived in a world where our protesters got what they wanted, then neither the driver nor the officer Would be afraid. Neither would be nervous, and chances are strong that the traffic stop would simply end with a ticket and everyone would go their own way. Imagine a world with no fear. This is the kingdom of God. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die, but God proves his love for us in that while we still were sinners, Christ died for us. If fear breeds fear, and the opposite of fear is love, and if love has proven if God has proven his love for us in his own sacrificial death, then God's kingdom built out of love is a place without fear. Let us embrace the changes and the conflict that we're experiencing so that we can, in a new way, hear what our neighbors are saying. And in hearing, let us love them. And in loving them, let us do what we can to eliminate the cause of their fear. And in loving our neighbors as ourselves, in eliminating the causes of fear in our world, let us do our part to usher in the kingdom of God once and for all. Amen? Amen. we have celebrated the lord's supper at home we have been reminded of all the other christians around the world who are also sharing this meal with us in their homes it becomes even more apparent in our minds that we are part of a greater collection of saints when we cannot share the meal with our own congregations and those saints don't necessarily look like us do they They might not speak like us. They may not worship the way we worship or sing the songs that we sing. Their skin color is different from ours. And their experiences in this world are likely far far different than our own. But we are one body, made up of different members. And we worship the same God through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Jesus died for all people, brown, white, yellow, black, red, and beige. Jesus died for us no matter where we live or what we've done. And Jesus loves each and every person on this earth with the same passion, the same commitment, and the same sacrifice as every other person. And so it is in this meal that we become truly united with all our brothers and sisters around the world. The most hopeful part of our week is when we we remember what Jesus did for us. And it is in the hope of God's kingdom come that we come to this table today. On the night when the Lord was betrayed, he took the bread, blessed it, and said, This is my body broken for you. Eat it in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, blessed it, and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. As often as you drink it, drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again.
1: Let us pray. Gracious God, as we eat this meal today, help us to remember the sacrifice Jesus made for every human being who has ever and will ever walk this earth. Please forgive us of the sins that made Christ's sacrifice necessary and help us to be able and willing to offer the same grace to others that you give to us. May the sharing of this meal begin to mend the torn fabric of our society in the same way that it works in the healing of our relationships to you. And may the sharing of this meal help pave the way for the coming of your kingdom and fill us with the hope of true peace once and for all. Amen. I invite
0: you now to take the bread, the body of Christ broken for you. And I invite you to drink of the cup, the blood of Christ, the cup of salvation. Let us sing together, Break thou the bread of life found in your Friday reminders. Please join me in the Litany of Remembrance. You can find it in the information about the podcast. By partaking in this meal, we remember that Christ was born. Christ died. Christ was raised. Christ Christ will will come come again. again. This is the mystery of our faith.
1: Thanks Thanks be be to God. God.
0: Amen. Let us pray. Gracious God, as we go from this worship service, we ask that you walk with us. Remind us, Lord, to love our neighbors even when we don't understand them. Remind us to listen and to hear what our neighbors have to say, even if it causes us pain or discomfort. Remind us, Lord, that we are called to love our neighbors, not just in word, but in action. And that our neighbors are white and brown, red, yellow, beige, black, and every other color in the spectrum. Our neighbor is our fellow human being. And it is our job our calling, our commandment, to love them and to do our part, to let them feel love and not fear in this world. And in bringing love into our neighbors' lives, give us the strength and the power and the blessing, Lord, and the grace, to be present as you usher in the kingdom of God. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And now let us sing, O God, our help in ages past.